This is Real Disciples Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Jay Nemard, good friend of mine, known him for years, like a brother. And so, um, first of all, Jay, when did you get saved? Um, November 9th, 1992. Um, I didn't get saved in church. I got saved in a hostel in South London, Camberwell. In a hostel, yeah? yeah. How, how, how? Well, um, cut long story short, one minute in university, next minute on Skid Row. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I think orchestrated by God because I was one of those tough heads. I don't think I would have gotten saved any other way. People witnessed to me before, but couldn't care less. And uh, cut a long story short, found myself homeless. I uh, ended up in this youth hostel for teenagers, young adults. And, uh, you know, just everything compounding, my whole life falling apart. I don't know if you remember, that time was the recession. Oh, yeah, couldn't yeah, find yeah. a job. I mean, it was just really difficult, man. And, uh, you know, on top of that, you know, you know the struggles being mixed race growing up. You yep. know, it's not like now where, you know, so many kids are mixed and, yep. um, you know, being born in England, but at the same time, my, 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 my dad, you know, my mom's not Jamaican, but they moved to Jamaica and uh, not fitting in Jamaica. So you was, born, you was born here? Yeah. And what age did your family move to Jamaica? Uh, well, I was very young, you know. But at the same time, you do feel like um, you didn't feel settled. Mm. Uh, same thing when I came back to England. At 18, is, you know, same thing. And, um, and that was really one of the crux. It really, really, the fact that I didn't fit in, really, you know, my brother somehow managed okay. But me, it really wore me down. Mm. Uh, it became really bad. I mean, to the point where I began to hate everybody, man. I hated whites, hated blacks, hated mixed race people who chose sides. That's how bad it was, you know what I mean? So you would have despised me. <laughs> yeah. I would have been. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, you know. Um, and and it, it came really to a point, at this hostel was a white group, there was a black group. I just want to be left alone, man. White group wanted me to be with them. Don't hang up with the niggas, hang up with us. Uh, black guy, same thing, don't hang up with them. White kids, they hang up with us. And I remember one black guy saying, yeah, you could be a double agent kind of thing, you know, and that really vexed me, you know. I, I just, and it, it, it all compounded. And I remember September 92, looking in the mirror, just wanted to smash it. I mean, there's how much self-loathing, hatred, self-loathing. Mm. Uh, but I know I was, it was coming to a point where I just felt I couldn't bottle it enough in, in, anymore. Angry all the time. I mean, I mean, angry. And uh, and so they had a Christian program at this hostel I was. And the first day I saw it, Salvation Army stuff. I was like, oh man, later. Went up to my room. Next day, <laughs> Fresh Prince was on TV. I was like, okay, all right, let me go downstairs, see what these Christians are up to. And there was a mixed race guy, half black, half Asian, giving his stories. Mom's people didn't like him because he was half black. Dad people didn't like him because he was half Asian. Tried to kill himself, obviously failed. Was walking the street one day and someone told him about Jesus. And he got saved and he said, God totally delivered him of all the hatred, all the anger, everything. And I remember thinking, man, you know, man, 
and there was a room full of guys, you know, and, and you know, normally I'm the self-conscious kind of guy. I wouldn't want to be seen dead, you know, um, amongst Chris, but I felt, man, you know, I, I, I've tried everything, man. If there is a Jesus, I, I, I've got to try this, man, because I'm, I'm at the end of myself. And I remember the guy's name was Michael, same, probably a couple of years older than me. I think I was 20, he was about 21. And uh, I prayed to receive Christ. And, um, you know, no lightning hit me from heaven. I was instantly delivered. But I do remember feeling different. And I remember there was a church I was going to at the time. It was like a Baptist church. I didn't know anything, you know. And um, they had a Christian, they had a, a retreat somewhere. And I remember going. And I remember, man, in this room. And all of a sudden, one by one, people started to cry. And like, what's going And boom, hit me. Everything from as a kid upwards, man, just came mm. up. And it was just like flushed out. And instantly, man, all the hatred, all the bitterness and everything, man, just, just went. And I knew I was set free. And I knew Jesus was real because um, I tried every, nothing worked. And, you know, without even trying, I got delivered from this hatred and bitterness. You know what I mean? God totally set me free, man. It was only, you know, this, even for all that, the church I was going to was pretty, you see, my life had completely crashed, and the church was very elitist, kind of, you know, all mm -hmm. professionals and all. And, you know, you know, with all my baggage, I was kind of like, um, you know, some, uh oh, this guy's all kind of problems. Let's just avoid him like the plague. Hi, how you doing? I remember one mm -hmm. time seeing the pastor come up to him, and as, he, and as he saw me, as I came into his vision, he went, <laughs> and he, he composed himself. And I realized that look is, like, oh, no, not him. You know, I realized, you know, and, 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 I, and, I, and I started to drift, I'll be honest. And, um, you know, I remember one Sunday, I, I just didn't have the energy, I didn't go to church. And I just went out to East Street Market, man, you know, and uh, I, I was getting, I got the, uh, I think the 36 back to Camberwell. And on the bus, I saw Emine and, um, and, and another brother, Trudy, and they were talking to this drunkard who wasn't listening. And so I remember talking to Trudy and Eminem, and uh, they gave me a flyer, and I took the flyer, went home. Didn't go instantly, you know, and, um, but I was going through some things, and I remember praying, man, and, and I remember, I remember this clearly. I was in my, uh, you know, I'd already now moved, I got my own flat and everything, and I remember I was in the kitchen, man, I was praying, God, I really need direction. And as I opened my eyes, under the table was a flyer. I, I, you know, I, I maybe was there before, but I didn't notice it. Mm. And I said, you know, I'll go this Sunday. And I went, that was July the 11th, 1993. And a sermon, it wasn't Pastor Stevens there, it was Leighton's uncle was preaching and uh, he preached on world evangelism, man. But three things happened to me that day. Number one, I went in and it was a, I mean, this church, it was a Kurdish cultural center on Stannery Street. This wasn't a proper church building. Cause you that's know- the one behind um, Kenton Park. Kenton Park, that's right. Mm. And. Um, up until this point, I've only known churches to be church in building. In a church building, yeah. Yeah, and so meeting in this cultural center, and I, I was standing outside because there was cigarette smoke. From, there was an office, you know, these guys who, you know, the caretakers were there. So I'm like, what kind of church is this? Um, I remember standing outside, should I go in, should I not go in? And, and then it's, you know, it's like diving into a cold pool, you know, it's going to be, so I just went in. And as I was there, I heard a praise and worship. And even though it didn't look like a proper church, I really felt God speak to me and say, this is, three things happened, this is your church. And <laughs> the second thing was during the meet and greet, the, the 
girl doing the overhead projector was my ex-girlfriend Cheryl mm -mm. <laughs> and I knew I knew it wasn't an accident and out of went, all the places of all the places you could have walked could have into gone, church yeah, yeah. out of all the churches in yeah, London yeah you walk into a church yeah. And you see your ex-girlfriend yeah. from Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we, we already oh. knew each other from London. Okay. You know what I mean? And uh, But we had broken up a year and a half before. And uh, and the third thing was Leighton's uncle preached on world evangelism, man. It burned my heart. I mean, my heart was on fire. And I remember, I remember uh, God spoke to me, man, and says, I want you to go to Jamaica and preach. Mm. And right there, the burning kind of, it was still burning, but I was like, what? You know, you know, when he, you, you know that old classic, uh, yeah. like, and I remember thinking, nah, nah, not Jamaica. Anywhere but Jamaica. I'd rather go to Iran. I remember saying, to, I'd rather go to Iran and preach to the Ayatollah than go to Jamaica. You know what I mean? I just, I just did not want to do this, man. Uh, but God eventually got a hold of me, man. And I remember, it's like, Jonah, you know, Jonah wouldn't listen. And I remember going to conference October 93 and, and um, I said, God, you know, you've got to really, you've got to really, if you want me to go, you've got to speak to me at this mm -hmm. conference. Monday went, Tuesday went, Wednesday went, Thursday went. And on Friday morning, I think it was Alvin Smith, yeah, it was Alvin Smith preaching. And he said, some of you guys need to go back where you came from. And I said in my mind, I wasn't even born there. And then Alvin said, I don't care if you weren't born there. <laughs> you need to go back. <laughs> it's it was, God. Yeah. And, but even then, I was like, nah. But, but in the evening, Pastor Warner said, open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Once he said, I just knew it was. You know what I mean? And uh, that was the beginning of me wanting to preach. Just touch upon quickly. When did you get married? I uh, got married uh, June the 3rd, 1995. So you go into the church, you see your ex. Yeah. And you love arts and uh, yeah. All well, of that. initially she didn't want to know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> took a few months, you know, and uh, you know, eventually we start going out. Shows there's power in prayer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm miracles you. still yeah. happen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Okay, so, um, and how old was you when you got married? Twenty-three. And Cheryl was nineteen. Cheryl was nineteen. He yeah. was twenty-three. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how much did you just just so that people get an understanding of how things were? How much do you think you spent on your wedding? I spent two thousand pounds on your everything. everything. Yeah, yeah. Cheryl got a dress from East Street Market. I think it cost two fifty or something like that. Oh, I, yeah. I about done you. Yeah, my suit was fifty pounds. No, no. Well, yeah. Francis outdone her. Yeah. For Francis' dress was a hundred pounds. Oh wow. Hundred pounds, <laughs> and that was two thousand and four. Yeah, yeah. So uh, okay. So all right. And so um, so God deals with you. You get yeah. you get saved. God deals with you. You know, you're called to preach. Yeah. When when did you first get sent out? When did you first enter the ministry? Uh, uh, got sent out in November 97 to Manchester. Funny enough, you, you loaned me a book on on uh, the drugs trade. Uh, that was one of the books you had. And um, it started in Colombia, went to Jamaica, and then it went to Manchester. And that's when I thought, Manchester, Manchester, okay. And I remember December 96, I was at Cheryl's mom's house and, uh, and there was a Christian program that was going on in Manchester. I was at Manchester. And in June 97, Pastor Carnegie, Jay, what do you think about Manchester? I think it passed him out. I've been thinking about Manchester. That was 97. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Back so. then in the 90s, we used to call it Gunchester. Gunchester, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was known. Yeah, it's one of the few places that I knew outside of London that was yeah, still. Yeah. They're not still that actually had, yeah. you know, kind of a ghetto yeah. vibe to it. Yeah, you remember when we, when I moved there and you came up to help me move? Yeah. And all them boys were acting digi, them yeah. drug dealers on yeah, the street yeah, corner, man. Yeah, yeah, they were looking at me like we've, we're cops or something, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like hyenas <laughs> looking at us, yeah, 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 yeah digi. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so you go there yeah. and um, you was there for how long? We left August 2002. 2002. Yeah, we went back to London to assist Pastor Carney. And so you was there for, I remember coming there and... Um, you was having church in like a little shop. Yeah, front. shop front, man. Shop Claremont front. Road. Claremont Road. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mad times, man. And so I remember coming there a few times, and it yeah. was like nothing much was happening. Nah, and then I remember coming, and it just clicked. Yeah, it was totally different. Yeah. You had young guys in there. Yeah, they were in music. You yeah. had, excuse me, you had um, Damien and Nicholas yeah, yeah, and yeah. Cozzy and yeah, it was alive. It started to rock. It man. was really, it was, it was really alive, man. You know what I mean? I mean, I'll be honest, uh, after two years, nothing was happening. Mm. I mean, I remember coming to conference May 2000 on the verge of quitting. Mm. And I'll be honest, one thing that kept me was a testimony of Sonny Argonzoni, uh, Victory Outreach, where he wanted to quit and just someone talked him out of it. And a, and a very short while later, things just broke out. Mm. And it's the same thing that happened. I remember Mark Olson, it wasn't a sermon, it was just a whole 45 minutes testimony of what God was doing in the Philippines. And mm. that was the money night of the conference. If I, if I only had the money night, that would have been enough, man. I wanted to go back to Manchester so badly. And le less than two weeks later, the church, I mean, people just started getting saved. I mean, people just coming out of nowhere, getting saved. And I remember we, when, when I went back, we started doing a Friday night prayer and fasting. And people who got saved on the Sunday would come out on a Friday night to pray. You know, I mean, you didn't have to follow up on people. People were just coming to church and getting saved, and it just kept on going and going. What would you say? Would you what would you say is the shift? Would you say there was a shift in you? Would you say what would you say? I would say that I, I remember saying that before I got sent out. I said, God, you gotta really help me to love people. Okay. You know, I do remember that. You know, and uh, and and. And you know, when you're pioneering and no one is coming or hardly anyone is coming, you're glad for anybody who comes through the church. So, so you learn to you love people. You had to, man, because you, you know what? If you don't have people, there's no ministry. So, so sorry to interrupt you, but think about it. Yeah. Would you not say, and it's, that's the ingenious thing about yeah. pioneering, yeah. that it teaches you yeah. to love people. Yeah, because there are people who come in with all kinds of, uh, hang-ups and you know when you're pioneering in beginning days you have all kinds you don't have the so-called you know the the ideal christian or the mm. ideal person you want to mm. come people all kinds of issues and you just gotta love them in spite of it you know what i mean and uh and you know we had all kinds of people you had to work with and we did because we just glad we just glad anybody would turn mm. up you mm. know what i mean you think about it you know why would anybody want to come to a storefront building on the most, I mean, I remember Pastor Carnegie, Pastor Car I wasn't there with him, but he said he was with Dave Ford and they were in Manchester in a Burger King and, and they were talking, Pastor Carnegie said, yeah, I'm going down to Moss Side, to Claremont Road. And someone says, don't go there. 
You know what I mean? You know, one of the guys working at Burger King, tell, don't, don't, you know, I'm on the worst part of Manchester, on the worst street in the worst part of Manchester. Mm. On a, you remember that storefront? It couldn't swing a cat in it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Crazy. Yeah, and, and God brought people, man. You know, and so people could pass. I mean, think about it. Why would they have to come to my church? What did I, you know how many proper churches yeah, I mean, there are? Yeah, I mean, basically, if people don't get the, the minds, the, the, yeah. don't get the vision of it. Yeah. It's like going into what we would know as a corner shop, yeah. a little corner shop. Yeah. We all know what that is. Yeah. Gutting it out yeah. and it's no bigger than that. Yeah, no bigger than that. And basically yeah. we put these chairs yeah. and a pulpit. Yeah. The pulpit was literally, you could stand at the pulpit <laughs> and reach the people at yeah, the front yeah, row. Yeah. And you could only have four, four chairs. Yeah, That's how narrow the, yeah. the building was. And, and, that, and, that, you know, and so you think about it, people pass all these other churches to come to yours. So you better love people, man, because they didn't have to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't have to come. There's all these proper places you could go, you know, with a lot more seasoned preachers. I, I remember coming for an impact team back in the day when yeah. we used to do music ministry. Yeah. And I remember being up there, like doing music rapping. And yeah. it, as I was doing it, something said to me, I feel like I'm rapping in someone's front room. <laughs> I feel like I'm in someone's bedroom right now because it was so small, yeah. but it was packed. There was probably about 20, 30 people in yeah. this little yeah. space packed. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there were people outside and they would walk past and look in and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and put their head around <laughs> and, and laugh. And, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember preaching a number of times and, you know, because it was a big glass front window yeah. and people are looking in going, laughing, making faces, and I'm preaching. I'm like, as I'm preaching, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Am I mad? You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's how rough it was. And uh, I remember one guy from South London saying he came up on an impact team. And normally when he leaves, he would try and find an encouraging word. But he said he couldn't say anything because he'd be lying. So he just left. <laughs> he just left. No. <laughs> So discouraging. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so from Manchester, and just before we move on from Manchester, mm. Manchester is where Preston came from. Mm -hmm. Preston was out of Manchester. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, Preston is a, is a powerful, yeah. great work. Yeah. And, uh, and so it kind of just shows you, you know, don't give up, keep doing what you're doing yeah. because you just don't know the What's ripples. Happen. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, because there have been times, like I said, wanting to quit, you know, and... Uh, and God uses amazing, you know, people. I, I remember our landlord. Our landlord was a was archetypal uh, kind of uh, money grubbing, you know, you know, and, and and he had no spirituality at all. I remember telling him, "I'm thinking of leaving Manchester," and he he talked to me for an hour, and it was like God speaking to me, man. This guy is like, you know, the Balaam's donkey kind of thing, mm, you know, mm. the most unexpected mm. source of God speaking, man, and uh, convinced me to stay, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm glad I did because of, all, you know, you know, think about if I'd quit, I would have thought, ah, the ministry doesn't work, mm, you know, mm. did I really hear from God? Yeah. You know, this is a waste of time. And it just really shows that you just endure because, um, you know, uh, I remember Scott Lamb saying, all you got to do is outlast your problem. Your problem will have passed. Mm. Just outlast very it. Very good. That's, you know yeah, what I mean? that's very good. And, and, and that's what we, uh, you know, that's what we had to do, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's very good. Okay, so um, from Manchester, you mm. come back and assist yeah. Rotherhive yeah. under Pastor Carnegie. Yeah. And then... Uh, 
Pastor Carnegie leaves, yeah. Pastor Peter comes, yeah. Yeah. then emergency happens, you have to go to Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Wolverhampton, you send out Leon. Yeah. Leon comes back, yeah. you send out Chris. Yeah, that's exactly. right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then um, you go from Wolverhampton to Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so Jamaica was basically the revisiting of the original vision that you said in the yes, beginning. Yes, yeah. And, and be honest, for years it was lost. Mm. I kind of thought, well, maybe it was just God testing, you know, like a Abraham, you know, mm. would you willing to do it? But really, you know, and I remember 2008, I went on an impact team and, I, uh, and no, not an impact team, I went to preach and I remember talking to Jackie Roberts, Eric Roberts' wife. And I just mentioned a few things and she pointed to me, say, you need to go to Jamaica. I was like a bullet hitting me in my chest. Wow. And all of a sudden, everything just came back. So you went to Jamaica when? Uh, 2011, in August 2011. Okay, and then you um, came back to the UK when? Uh, September 2017, last year. Okay. End, of, end of September. And then you came straight here? Yeah, to Bristol. Bristol, and Bristol was started when? Uh, it was started 19 years ago, I think February, March 99. Okay, and yeah. then Bristol was started by Pastor Peter. Charlotte, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I remember uh, coming here for Impact Teams. Yeah. It was pretty. Yeah. Uh, it was like the 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 real uh, powerhouse of Rotherhithe. Oh, big time! I remember him getting the building. Yeah. And he, we we interviewed him as well. We had him on the podcast, and he yeah. kind of spoke about you know what God had done. Yeah. Um, and so very good heritage. Oh, and, big time! You know, wonderful. Yeah. church and all that god has yeah, done here yeah. so you've been here just just under a year just under a year end of this month will be a year yeah, yeah okay end of this month okay and so um the whole purpose of the podcast is basically about creating disciples mm. real disciples yeah it's about creating disciples so the you know this essence of disciple being a disciple what when we say a disciple what do you see a disciple as well a disciple to me is you as what paul said imparting he said you know we didn't just only impart the gospel but our very lives as well i think discipleship is mainly getting the gospel or the vision of what Christianity, gospel Christianity into the heart of a new person and trying to, um, basically trying to get that person, male or female, to have that heart to reach the world for Jesus as well, reach others for Christ. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. it is about empowering that Christian to be equipped that they can now pass that gospel on because, you know, discipleship is a passing on of a baton, the baton being the, the gospel, you know? Yeah. Uh, being able to be equipped that they can now do the same for others, you know? That's in a nutshell. Okay. You so um, one of the things I look at is when I got saved in Rotherhive, Pastor yeah. Carnegie was there. Yeah. And Pastor Carnegie is probably without debate one of the Premier best communicators yeah, yeah big time 
powerful preacher, yeah, communicator. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I when I came into the church, the the men that were really uh, older than me in the Lord, the men yeah. that I could say were disciple of me, was you, yeah. um, Pastor Peter, yeah. it was just Peter at the time, yeah, a disciple, yeah, yeah. Simeon, yeah. Uh, Joel Gunya. Yeah. You guys were doing, um, you know, the concerts and the outreaches yeah, and all of that. Yeah. And here we have a pastor who is guiding you guys, yeah. teaching you guys, mm -hmm. um, and uh, preaching. And, you know, and when you just hear that preaching, you was like, yeah, this this is yeah. the real deal. But it, it almost seems like a perfect combination. Yes. Because yes. you've got the pastor who is preaching and leading and steering the ship. Yeah so that you guys don't go off yeah you don't start going crazy one way yeah. or the other way yeah. crazy liberal or yeah. crazy yeah. legalistic yeah but you guys are involved in the disciple making mm -hmm. um if i had a question about the bible i would ask you yeah. or pastor peter yeah i wouldn't ask i would I, I felt like even though i was in the body i felt like i never had to call pastor carnegie yeah yeah i mean i probably uh, maybe I don't think I called him that much. Mm, mm. I don't think I never, not about a Bible question. Mm, mm. I, I remember one time after I'd been in church for a long time and you'd already gone out and I spoke to Pastor Carnegie about what grace meant. Mm, mm. Um, but I've, uh, I think that looking back now, this this is how a church should function. Mm, mm. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's uh, the pastor and you're having leaders, you know. One man can't do everything. Mm. You know, there's too many people, you know, especially in a, in a church, you know, Pastor Carnegie being the, the preacher is and, you know, the, the amount of people are coming, you know, one man cannot physically be everywhere at the same time. That's the idea of discipleship. You know, you are you are imparting what you know into others that they are able to impart it to others. You know, it's back again what Paul says to Timothy. And the more people you have with the same vision, the easier it gets to communicate that vision to others, you know. Um, and that's why it's so important to raise up leaders in your own church who can do some of the legwork and make take the burden, you know, um, share the burden, so to speak. Uh, because ministry is not easy and there's so many different dynamics to it. There's so many things you have to do. You know, sometimes I call it like, you know, the, the, the plates, you know, you ever see that guy with the, have the stick and he's, he's uh, spinning the spinning plates, the plates yeah, and yeah. you know, and yes, quickly go and get the other one before yeah. it falls. And, yeah. and ministry can be like that at times. Yeah. And um, what you need is more people to help you spin the plates. Otherwise, things are going to get left. Things are going to collapse and important things can get left behind, you know. And so it is so important to have men, you know, and women who you can help, you can uh, impart truth to and uh, the vision to that can help in, in, in that way. Everything can be um, facilitated. Otherwise, you know, things just get left and, uh, and you, you end up hurting the church in one way or the other. You know? Do you think you can get distracted from discipleship by other things yeah. and they seem to, um, they produce a quicker return so you can get distracted? I don't know, I can't put my finger on it exactly, but you can get distracted by other things. That Absolutely, you know, and, and that's the thing you always, you know, is what Chuck Swindle said about the urgent versus the important. You know, the devil always try to put urgent things in your life. Yeah. to the neglect of the important things, yeah. you know, because not everything that is urgent is important. Yeah. You know, and uh, if you can get you on that trail, it'll keep you on that 
That's yeah, like you know, um, I mean? you know in that book, uh, Seven Habits of right. Effective People. Yeah. Like Stephen, is it Steve? Something, uh, seven habits of effective yeah. people, yeah. and he says that um, it's the urgent and the important. Yeah. So, like your health is important, yeah. but until you neglect it, it doesn't yeah. become urgent. urgent. Yeah, and that's yeah. what most people live. They yeah. live always urgent, urgent, yeah. urgent, yeah. urgent, yeah. urgent. Yeah. But your health is important. Yeah. You know, to eat right and to exercise. Yeah. And same is with spiritual things. Yeah. It's important yeah. to disciple, and if you let it go, yeah. it's only after a while where you realize. You haven't got no disciples. Yeah, yeah. And now it becomes urgent, and it and, and it's it's and you, you, it's too already late. It's too yeah. It could be too late. Too and late. you know, a lot of times, if you take care of the important things, the urgent things take care of itself. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of time we we end up chasing our own tails because uh, we we're always outing every fire rather yeah. than preventing the fire in the first place. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, definitely. You know, prevention is better than cure. And you know, it's always thinking one step ahead. You know, and and, and you know, it's it's. I, I say that, but it's something you always got to be uh, aware of that you can always get distracted and deviated from what really is important. You know, yeah, and, I think uh, you know. I think the the apostle Paul uh, Peter uh, mentioned about you know the Hellenist versus the the the, the Hellenist Jews versus the you know the ones that are native born hmm. you know the the distribution of the widows and like you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. listen man we're here to pray we're here to d devote ourselves to the word of God we're not here to wait on tables and it's not that waiting tables is beneath them is that there are more important things to do that other people can do this yeah you know what I mean you know it's not that we 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 think ourselves better but listen man we, we can't do both I think. Many times, I, I think that uh, it's the, uh, let me be careful with my words, but I think sometimes it's because of the way, uh, well, let me speak of myself. Sometimes it's the way I've pastored that I've communicated the wrong thing. Yeah. It's not so much the congregation had the wrong idea. Yeah, yeah. I've communicated to the congregation, I am the, the I'm here to put out fires. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so that's why they expect that yeah. you know you communicate that and obviously we're here to serve and wash feet and all of those yeah. things but the reality is is that if if you show the congregation that that you're not the chief disciple i remember hearing a, a sermon by pastor mitchell and i don't want to quote pastor mitchell and <laughs> you know everyone quotes pastor, yeah, yeah. pastor mitchell says this and it becomes a law but yeah. I, I do remember him, the gist of it and, and he said this is in 1970s and he says um, he says people want the pastor to be in the men's meeting, mm. the um, the fellowship meeting, the pot fellowship meeting, the garage fellowship meeting, mm. the kids meeting, the Sunday school meeting, the women's meeting. Mm. And he said, listen, I, I, I'm going to, and this is in 1970, and I think we probably only had, uh, he maybe had a few guys out, three or four churches at mm. that point, mm. 70 something, 79 maybe. And he says, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be preaching and leading and developing these leaders. Mm. That's what I'm going to be doing. And we're going to, and, and he starts to say what's going to happen. And what is, what he said is actually happened. Mm, mm, mm. What he said is actually happened. And, and so we're not saying, let's not say you don't care for people and pastor people, but there has to be some element of discipleship. Yeah, and the, the thing that. is, you, you, sometimes, you, you know, if you want something done, you do it yourself. And that, that can't work. Yeah. Because then you communicate to everyone, let the pastor do it. You know what I mean? And, and people have got to be released to fail, you know, and, and that's how they learn. I you think know? Uh, one of the wisest things I ever heard was um, 
Pastor Brown said something to me and I said, Pastor, look, this is my problem. This is what's going on in the church. And he said to me, Courtney, you've got to learn to delegate. Mm, mm, yeah. He said, you've got to learn to delegate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, he probably told me that about five years ago. I'm probably mm. still just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, thinking. just learning now. Just listen, it takes that long to filter in. It's a bit dense. Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah. what about, okay, so what I wanted to speak to you about reading because you do, I think the, the the fortunate thing of coming into Rotherhive 1996 was there was a culture of reading mm, mm. Um, and I think that's a very valuable culture to yeah. be saved into yeah. um, I remember you taking me to a Christian bookshop all the yeah, time yeah. you know on a Saturday after outreach we'd go to Christian oh, yeah, bookshop yeah, yeah. all the time okay. uh, all over London different Christian CLC bookshops in Holden, yeah, 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 yeah all of those things yeah. and that became Oh, this is what Christians do. They yeah. buy books. Yeah. They read. You bought me uh, a Thompson's Chain reference that yeah. I still have oh, really? to this day. I remember buying it. Yeah, it was, the elephant in it was about twenty-seven pound. Because yeah, 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 you said yeah. you, you guys, you, you should, you should have this. Yeah. So I picked it up to buy it, and then you paid for it. I oh, did. I yeah. You was like, no, I want no, my I'll money back. That. And so back then, twenty pound was a lot of money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a lot of money back then, man. Yeah. And so, um. When did you start reading? Well, my, from my dad, from I was about three years old. So three years old, yeah, he was reading. Yeah, and uh, my dad said that uh, he once saw me. He was he he was talking to a friend, and there was a piece. There was a newspaper on the floor. I was about three or four, and he, and his friend was amazed that I was reading it. Wow, yeah. yeah. So his friend was amazed that this little boy was was you know standing oh, on a paper in, and I was in, actually in, reading. In a, in a good year. Or in a good week, let's estimate that. In yeah. a good week, this is a good week for you. Yeah. How many, or a month, let's say a good month, how many books would you get through in a good month? I'll be honest, um, being back in England and trying to get myself back on my feet yeah. um, because this has been mad. Yeah, but we're, um, we're, just, we're just saying, say like you're on your feet, it's, this is a good month. How many books would you get through? I, it's hard to say. It depends on the size of the book. Um, I could do, I could, I could try and get through at least once a week. One book a week. One, one, one book a week. One book you know a week. Just four months. Yeah, yeah. Wow. De de depending on, on the book, you know. Yeah, how deep you it know, is. Or, or yeah, how deep it, if it's a deeper book. I remember, you remember when we used to go books, Christian in Complete Armour. Yeah. William Gunnar. Yeah, yeah. Three yeah. volumes. Yeah. It took me an entire year to read that, that those three yeah, volumes. But, it, it, but the English, the, the structure and the language and everything and the yeah, depth. The depth. I yeah. mean, you, you, that book there, yeah. every paragraph is a scripture. Is, yeah, a scriptural it, reference. I every mean, you paragraph. could get a million sermons from those books. I you mean, know what I mean, Christian in Complete Armour, if yeah. you're serious yeah. about being a disciple yeah. and you're serious yeah. about growing in the things of yeah. God. Yeah. You've got to read that book. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you know, you're doing yourself an injustice. I know there's going to be someone religious out there yeah. say we don't need that. We just yeah. have the Bible. I know. <laughs> read your Bible first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, you yeah. do yourself a serious yeah. injustice. I remember reading that book, and I felt like this is the best way I could describe it. Imagine you, you, you're being bullied all the time, yeah, yeah. and then you enroll in like, uh, you know, an MMA class, whether jiu-jitsu, whatever it's yeah. called, and boxing. And then you, after a year, you go back and someone tries to punch you out the yeah. way and yeah. he's beating people. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I'm not, yeah. uh, by the way, I'm not authorizing physical violence. No. But it, yeah. that's how you felt. Yeah. After reading the book, it was like, come on, devil. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. All right, yeah. you, yeah. Want, you want to go? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. 
because it just enriched me and really helped me. Oh yeah, that's one of the best books, you know. And it, it also made me realize these guys, man, these guys had depth. Yeah. You know, you think about the Puritan paperbacks, you know. We know they're Calvinists, but they had great depth, you know. And, uh, and, um, and yeah, I'd, I'd really like, but those books would take a while, you know. Biographies, you can breeze through those books. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying, you know, you can easily breeze through biographies, and uh, but there's certain books that do do take its time. I remember, um, I you know, obviously I didn't finish school, and so I'm dyslexic, so I didn't really start reading till I became a Christian. Mm. Uh, but I read, I had one book that I had bought yeah. before I was a Christian. It was mm. called Yardi. Yeah, yeah. About this guy that comes to Jamaica, and you know. Back then I was into, you know, uh, dance hall music yeah. or bashing, whatever you call it. Yeah. And so I bought this book, Yardi, and I remember reading it. Like, I, I, I didn't even finish that book. I started to read it. I, mean, I think I read it maybe half of it. And so it talks about how he came from Jamaica and all of these places mm -hmm. and da 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 So I remember, I've, so I'm not saved yet, but I read this book about, and I sit down in a conversation with some guys and we was probably there smoking weed, <laughs> doing a madness. And uh, I was unsaved, obviously, I was nuts. And I remember they started talking about something and I started to reel off all these things mm -hmm. and everybody went silent as I was speaking, like I was an expert, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and on, these, on, the, on, the, on everything Jamaican now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, yeah. You read half a book. Because yeah, I read half, half a book about yeah. a guy that basically came from Jamaica to England. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a drug dealer or whatever. And I think they made a film about it now. But um, I realized how shallow you are with, without reading. Reading, yeah. Yeah. If you don't read, you really are uh, going to stay shallow. Yeah. And the sad thing is to be in the ministry and not read. Really. And yeah, it's, it's really sad because you become, uh, you, you start to repeat yourself. Incestuous yeah. thinking. thinking. Incestuous thinking, very true. Incestuous yeah, thinking. Nothing new to challenge you, yeah. Amplification yeah. of errors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the reality. You, you talk, you keep saying the same thing and you not only that, you amplify it. Yeah. And now you're amplifying yeah. some of the good, but also your errors. Yeah. Whereas you're reading, you're balancing out yeah. Yeah. certain things. Yeah. And uh, you know, Pastor Carnegie always said about reading as well is is finding different ways of saying the same thing. Mm. You know, think about the gospel. The gospel is the same thing. You yeah. know, the, the issues of sin. You know, whether it's fornication or or this, that, and the other, lying. You know, it's you know, you have to find a different way of saying the same thing. You know, and reading helps you to see things from different angles that you would not naturally see from yourself. You know, yeah. you know, I, I think you know, and I'm not just trying to boost you up, Courtney. You're one of the guys I know who can think. And you can see and analyze things where I have to read it, man. I go, oh, wow, yeah, that's true. And so sometimes my, my thoughts are what I say. I, I, I got it from reading, mm. you know what I mean? I, I don't just naturally understand certain things. When I read it and it makes it, oh, wow, yeah, that makes sense why this is that. And it makes it look like I know I'm talking about, but I, I read it. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's, that's one, because otherwise, like we said, it's incestuous thinking and um, you, 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 you're given to one trail of thought and your preaching becomes boring. Yeah. You know, definitely. Uh, you know, and you, you, you're, you're one groove, you know, one groove thing. Yeah. You know, and I've, and I've seen it. You have a hobby nights. horse. Yeah, hobby horse. And you, you start repeating things, you know, because the only book you, because you're a Christian, you read the Bible. And so all the illustrations of the Bible. So if you preach on faith, 
um, you use, let's say, a scripture of Moses uh, crossing the Red Sea, and then yeah. you use Jesus doing this, or you use uh, Elijah. And then the next time you preach on faith, you use Elijah as a text, and you use the rest of them again as illustrations. After a while, it becomes boring and repetitive. Yeah. You know? Whereas if you, if you read, you have different ways of saying the same thing because you have to keep the same thing fresh. You know, mm. it's, it's you know it's 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 the same thing. We we, we same thing. You know, you you, you, you know you, every week you you know when you're a kid, your mom cooked the same food, but it was fresh, same food. Yeah, you know, what I mean, you didn't eat last week's food this week, and you know, what I mean, last month's food this week. You know, you know, what I'm saying it's always fresh. That's what preaching should be. It should be fresh. And if a guy doesn't read, there's not really many illustrations in no, his sermons. No, no. And, but he'll put loads of scriptures yeah, in there. Yeah. And you're, you're, and you're kind of bouncing all over this thought. Yeah. But it's, it's not, it's, it, it becomes it's abstract cohesive. and it's yeah. not cohesive. And it also becomes lumbered. Uh, and, okay, you know, I remember Pastor Carnegie, and if you remember the structure of preaching, he had a main scripture. Mm. He'd have a couple of other scriptures as well, but he didn't have a hundred in it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, Where yeah, it becomes, yeah. and because it, it does, you know what I mean? Because that one scripture could go in so many different ways. Use another scripture that could go in so many different ways. He'd only use scriptures that reinforced that point he was making. It was very few. Yeah. And you know, you remember when Pastor Carnegie preached, man, an hour preaching could seem like 20 minutes. 20 minutes yeah. Some guys preaching 20 minutes seemed like, seemed an, like hour. an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, and Pastor Carnegie talked about not wasting a good scripture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you could always use that one for another sermon. Mm. You know what I mean? And, 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 but it's reading. And remember, Pastor Carnegie was an was a avid, avid reader, reader, man. Avid reader. You know, and, he, he, and he, you know, the books that he got me into, you know, you know, again, with the whole idea of discipleship, you know, you show you, oh, Jay, this book is good for you, this blah, blah, blah. And, you, and then after a while, you start finding your own authors that you like, or yeah. you, your way of thinking. But he created that infrastructure well, What's there. that place? Bookade. Bookade. Pastor Carnegie. Yeah, Pastor Carnegie took, took us to took Bookade. Took us to Bookade. Yeah, yeah we li you know, I remember every Thursday, I think it yeah, was. Yeah. We used to live there, you know what I mean? You know. So definitely, Pastor Mitchell, always yeah, yeah. recommending a new book. book yeah, yeah. And so um, definitely, reading is one of the things. Um, Let's go back to, so obviously I remember, as I was saying, reading that book, Yardi, and mm. it kind of showed me that what, me being born here mm. of, uh, you know, my dad being Jamaican, but me being born here kind of showed me that um, what I thought was Jamaican was really kind of like a pseudo Jamaican or a very modern kind of yeah. understanding of Jamaica. And I've spoken to you before about this, where there's this transition. Oh yeah, I mean, before I moved to Jamaica, I remember buying a, about 20 odd books just on Jamaica. Mm. Uh, biography of Michael Manley, Edward Siaga, the history, uh, slavery, uh, um, West Indian Federation, uh, the economic uh, collapse in the 70s, uh, just to get understanding of the culture. Because the reality is, um, what we think of Jamaica. When I moved to Jamaica, I realized I only saw the tip of the iceberg. When mm. you go there, you really see how deep the iceberg goes. Mm. And Jamaica, to me, has, has the, the Jamaicans, you know, they say there are more Jamaicans living outside Jamaica than in it. I don't know how true that is, but there's a lot of uh, immigrants. And Jamaicans have always been immigration, uh, people, of a nation of immigrants. You think about the Panama Canal uh, back in the early 1900s. 
when they were building it. A lot of Jamaicans went there to build it and stayed. You know, there's still little pockets of Jamaicans in Panama, Costa Rica that have been mm -hmm. there for 100 years. You know what I'm saying? You know, if you look at a Costa Rican national team, you see some people with English last names and uh, their, their ancestors were from Jamaica, you know? And so they still have the local patois, though, though they speak Spanish and that. And, um, but with the Windrush, 1948, uh, um, there was a real, I think, paradigm shift because a lot of people came to England, economic reasons, they were economic migrants, you know? leaving their kids behind with aunties, uncles, grandparents, who a lot of times didn't necessarily want extra mouth to feed or to look after. Mm. And that this is one of the issues to me. That I'm not fully understand why Jamaica has changed, but one of the main things is a lot of kids left to themselves, having to raise themselves up. Mm. Mm. There is, you know, because you think of old school Jamaicans, it's all about good morning, good, you know, mm. even now it's still Jamaica to a slight degree, mm. there's all this politeness and manner. And what happened when you have all of these people, it was just England people coming to you. They were going to Canada, they were going to Panama, they were going to uh, 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 the United States. Mm. And you have a lot of kids who were basically left to grow themselves up. You know, um, the, the, the family structure was starting to be affected uh, because of, you know, their, their parents being overseas. You know, some of them would eventually join a family later on. Sometimes they never did that, you know, mm. and, uh, and that's when things started to change. Uh, was these kids now having to bring themselves up? You know, Jamaica's old school said, "Yeah, I'm no brought up, see." You know, what I mean, they're, they're not brought up correctly. You know, mm. the other thing when we talked about Michael Manley, Michael Manley was a prolific. It was a it was a gallist. You know, he had a lot of women. You know, what I mean, and um, he said he's gonna get rid of this, the, the stigma of bastard, no bastard there, and it really impacted Jamaica because there's all these kids, I mean, you think about it, 86% of Jamaicans, uh, the illegitimacy rate in Jamaica is 86%. That's nearly nine out of 10 kids mm. are born illegitimately, you mm. know? And um, it has really changed. Do you know what it would have been when he, before he said that? No, it wouldn't have been as prolific. Okay. Of, obviously it, was, it would have been there, you okay. know, but, um, you know, what, one thing people don't realize is the revival of 1861 really impacted Jamaica where marriage was a normal thing. You know, people getting married. Mm. Obviously, there are people living in fornication and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the family structure was there. People looked after each other, you know. Mas Jones is sick. You know, you go run with, with some soup and you go and give it to Mas Jones. And people looked out for each other, man. But things started to dramatically change with the, with, with the mass immigration and with um, Michael Manley and the economic collapse. Michael Manley be, would have been what time? What day that was He that? took over in 1972. He was prime minister in 1972 to okay. 1980. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, Jamaica, you've you got to understand this. Jamaica from 1962 to 1972 was growing at 6% a year every year. You know, now obviously it wasn't a first world country. It, it was getting there. And he came with a social, uh, this is why I'm telling you, I know we get a bit political. I am not into socialism at all. Mm. I am, I am, I am, I've seen socialism with my own eyes. Mm. And, uh, I, you know, Corbyn is, 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 uh, is, uh, is, is not a charismatic, Michael Mann is a very charismatic guy. Mm. Corbyn is kind of like a, 
a mild version of it, man. But uh, uh, I've seen the devastation that it caused that a country growing from 6% every year to mm. a country that lost everything. I mean, all of his, his reserves destroyed. The remember, Michael Manley was the one who says, uh, we have no place for millionaires in Jamaica. If you want a millionaire, in, if you want to be a millionaire, there's five, is it five or six flights every day to Miami. You know, and for the next six months after his statement, every flight was filled with people leaving the country. So, all right, let's end this off with um, some books yeah. that you would say uh, really have impacted your life. You know, we touched on one, Crystal in Complete Armor. Yeah. Uh, in so many different ways. In, in, in just the, the depth and the insight, mm. you know, the, it was, it's an awesome book. Another book that really helped me in the early days was Treasures Out of Darkness by Sonny Argonzoni, Victory Outreach, just pioneering. Mm. And pioneering, I mean, it really helped me in Manchester. Pioneering and tr having a heart, how hard it is to pioneer a church and the struggles of a pioneer pastor and to see breakthrough. Mm. You know, that was a real uh, a book of, of, of real impact in, in, in my life, you know. There are many books I would say, but those are two of the, two of the main and, ones. And um, from a perspective of preaching, what book has impacted the, you? The, the Primer of Homiletics by John Edwards is, mm. to me, you know, there are many good books, Preaching and Preachers, by, Preaching and Preachers by Martin Lord Jones, uh, The Mystery of Preaching, James Black, all of these old school books. But to me, The Primer of Homiletics by John Edwards, just the passion of preaching is communicated. I mean, he goes through the basics of how to write a sermon, you know, homiletics yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But it's just the, 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 the call and the dignity of preaching and the passion and the, the you know you know this is the big deal man of, of of being a pastor it really hits you you know just the passion communicated you know another great book would be um uh the power in prayer by ian bounce yeah you know uh that is also just reading the first few pages just makes you just want to put it down and just go find somewhere yeah, and pray. definitely you know definitely uh, you just want to find so i mean that's you, one that yeah. you, every six months you can just yeah, pick yeah, it yeah, up yeah yeah if you feel down in pre just pick up that book man mm -hmm. it'll 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 send you to the moon you know what i mean th th those are some to me the books that really helped me you know what are you reading at the moment i'm reading turnaround churches by george barner the book is basically about churches that were once doing well yeah that kind of lost this way and how to uh, actually get it back on track. Okay. You know, and uh, it's a very insightful book. It's a very um, <sighs> counterintuitive in the sense that things you would think you should do, you shouldn't do. You yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's it. Yeah. We've got a lot. Appreciate that. We'll keep you in prayer. Keep yeah. us in prayer. Big up yourself. And mash up your thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.